Hi, welcome back to Mingus on Tech. I'm Ken Mingus, Executive News Editor at Computer World. I'm here with Pat Thibodeau, a senior writer for Computer World. Network World's Keith Shaw. We're going to be talking about H-1B visas, IT outsourcing, and what's going on with Facebook Live. Stick around. Thanks, and welcome back. So, Pat, thanks for jumping in here. You know, there's been a lot going on over the last few weeks, well, actually since since uh, President Trump took office, related to what he would like to do with the H-1B visa program and IT outsourcing and protecting uh, U.S. jobs. And you've written about this extensively. You know, most recently, of course, was the the executive order, and I use that, that term sort of loosely because there's only so much that can be done to the H-1B visa program with the executive order that the president signed or put out last week. So I thought it'd be a good time to just touch base with you and see where things stand. I mean, are we going to be seeing changes in the H-1B visa program this year, do you think? Real changes? Hey, thanks for having me on, Ken. Uh, I think some kind of change is possible, and uh, there will definitely make some, um, some adjustments to the program administratively. I would expect them to try to raise salaries, of H-1B visa workers within the next year. And if they can get cooperation from Congress, I think they want to eliminate the lottery in time for next year. Well, isn't that the, isn't that the big hitch here? I mean, obviously Trump talked about this during the campaign. Uh, I think he highlighted the problem of H-1B visa workers who were coming in or and taking jobs that used to be held by uh, American workers. But then when it comes to actually making changes, it's it really is up to Congress, right? Congress has a lot of authority, and I think that's the problem the Trump administration ran into. They were interested in making some changes early on, but my sources seem to tell me that they just ran into too many complications. They didn't want to have enough appointees in place to get real work done on this issue. And two, they really were uncertain about where the dividing line was between their authority and Congress. Right. Now, aren't there uh, a couple of bills floating around in Congress that have been proposed that would that would make some serious changes to the program? Oh, for sure. And these are kind of repeats of bills yeah, that show have up been every introduced. year, right? I mean, this yeah, is yeah, not- they show up every year. And but the momentum is a little stronger this year because of all the attention Disney and Southern California Edison and a few other high-profile cases have received. Do you think that's one of the things that's that's actually? Uh, um, happening here is that even if legislation is not, you know, likely to go through Congress at least quickly, the fact that the president is highlighting this issue—I mean, it's been talked about off and on for years. You know, the, the tech industry has its view on it. You've got workers who have their views. You've got IT outsourcing companies from overseas who obviously have a vested interest in this, but it's never really risen to the level of sort of presidential jawboning, if you will. You know, to have the president up there um, highlighting it. Is that the sort of thing where that we might see companies try to shift what they're doing because they don't want to get in trouble with with the president, or because they see that change is going to come and they feel like they need to, you know, make some shifts before uh, before the, the government comes after them? Absolutely. You know, companies are dealing right now with a completely uncertain environment. They have no real way of knowing how the visas are going to be distributed in uh, in, in the following years. Well, it's it's interesting too. The, the now the lottery just ended. Uh, was it April the first? April one, right? April one. April. Go ahead. 
Well, they hold the lottery on April 1st every year for the new fiscal year that begins in October. Right. And as I recall, the number of applications for visas this year was actually down from last year. It was down slightly, uh, just about 30,000. Um, some people attributed that to the Trump um, uh, effect, so to speak. Uh, it's, it's hard to say, but it was down. Yep. You know, it, it, it dawns on me that there may be people who are either looking at this on Facebook Live, and we're going to get to Facebook Live in just a minute because I do want to talk about that. Uh, if you've got questions about the program, feel free to, 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 to ping us on the Facebook Live uh, page. Um, but the thing is, maybe we should explain just very basically, you know, what the H-1B visa program is in case somebody happens to tune in and isn't quite clear. So maybe a quick definition of the H-1B visa program so people understand this. Uh, the visa is a, what they call a non-immigrant. In other words, it's a temporary visa for uh, companies to use to bring in highly skilled workers to um, uh, stay in the U.S. for up to three years. It can be renewed for three years. But there's also provisions that allow uh, the visa workers to get green cards or permanent residency if uh, their employer puts, puts the paperwork through. Okay. And there's a 65,000 visa cap? Is that, that that's yeah, the limit right now? There's a base cap of 65,000, but there's another additional 20,000 visas that are made available for uh, U uh, graduates of U.S. universities with advanced degrees in STEM. Okay. And the issue is obviously then that companies feel like in many ways, or some companies feel that they can bring in H-1B visa holding workers that they can then use to replace American workers and pay the, the visa holders less than they were paying the American workers initially, right? Absolutely. That's, that's one of the big problems with the program. Okay. Now, you know, in terms of news right now, we've, I, I saw a story that popped up this morning that I know you're working on uh, involving uh, Infosys. So what, what's Infosys doing, and, and is this in reaction to what Trump has been talking about? Well, Infosys has about 20,000 workers in the U.S. at least of last year, and that's from court records. They've never said publicly how many employees they actually have. A large number of those workers are in H-1B visas. Again, Infosys has never said what percentage of its U.S. workforce are on visas. But okay. we know that some years they get as many as 4,000 visas. So now what they're doing is they're saying, we're going to hire 10,000 quote-unquote Americans, their word. So they plan to hire Americans. What I don't know and what they have not said is whether they are doing this because of Trump and because of the uncertainty, uh, whether this is going to expand the workforce, say, from 20,000 to 30,000, or whether they are preparing to start replacing some of their H-1B workers with uh, U.S. workers. Right. I mean, it, it certainly sounds like when you when you look at the headlines, when you get the you know the top level information, it sounds like maybe they're making a move to be more American worker friendly. But it's not clear whether this is more smoke and mirrors or an actual move on their part, and whether it indicates other companies might do the same thing. I think it's too early to say. We're going to have to know more about their workforce. But for sure, Trump's plan to end the lottery and distribute the visas on the basis of wages and education will make it harder for IT offshore firms, and that includes Infosys, to get H-1B visas. So this may be a very strategic response or a tactical response to the Trump administration, but they're not saying so. 
Ah, okay. How, what is it? You know, uh, what is it that Trump wants to do in terms of the lottery itself? You, you just mentioned that he wants to. He, it, it, it's random now, right? Is that right? How it works? Right now, it's it's like buying a lottery ticket. It's a, it's a true lottery. Um, but uh, and a lot of people think that's a very bad system because it uh, about half of the visas that are available have been going to IT offshore firms. Right. And these firms submit thousands of visa petitions. Some people argue that they're actually gaming the system by submitting more petitions than they actually need. They're just, you know, assuring Swamping that the they whole want system, right? Just overloading well, it. Right. And this has really hurt, uh, say, smaller companies. An IT startup, let's say, has been trying to hire somebody from a U.S. school that they've been working with. They may have had that person intern. So they send in one petition but they have a, um, they only have a 33% chance in some years of getting approval. So Trump wants to change the system. Let's, let's distribute the visas on the basis of education, on the basis of wages. And uh, a lot of people think that's probably a better system because it will ensure that U.S. firms get the H-1B visa workers that they want. There's a caveat here. Okay. Some people argue that what will happen is that large firms will, now that they can hire more visa workers, will hire these younger visa workers instead of hiring, say, U.S. graduates, American workers out of, out of schools. So, and, and they could use that to displace older workers as well. So it, it, there's never going to be a, a clear-cut answer to any of this. So it sounds like we're really, we may see some changes around the edges. We may see some changes to the lottery itself. But in terms of, of really overhauling the, the, the whole program, that's going to that's gonna depend on Congress, which doesn't yes. seem to be able to do much of anything right now. So I wouldn't hold out a lot of hope. Right. That's, that's <laughs> the big question mark here. This may be a lot of wind and fury that ends up going nowhere. Okay, great. All right. Well, we'll be keeping an eye on it. So thank you very much for the uh, update. That gives, us, gives me a real good sense for where we are right now. Um, I do want to shift gears a little bit, actually shifting gears a lot, but to go from H-1B visas to, uh, to Facebook Live. But, uh, you know, there's been this big controversy, certainly of late, with um, Facebook's move into, into video and live video and the things that people are posting. Keith and I were talking about this yesterday. Um, you know, there was the, the, the video that went up a couple of weeks ago where the guy shot somebody randomly and then posted it. There was the the video, I think, out of Thailand, yeah. where where a child was killed, and it's raising all kinds of questions about you know Facebook Live video. I mean, we're doing it. I understand why, if you're in publishing, you know, it makes sense to to sort of use it as a broadcasting tool, but it's raising all these questions about whether Facebook is just a generic platform, whether it's a publisher, uh, whether it's a broadcaster. So so I mean. You know, Keith, what what you what's, know, what's your thinking? I think when Facebook Live first came out, it was this: hey, this we've got this great platform for you know to allow everybody to stream, um, right. and you saw the, the the success of this with uh, remember the lady with the the Chewbacca mask? Oh God, yes, yeah, everybody and, saw that. You know, and then it, it, everyone was was kind of going, oh, this is a great thing. It's 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 fantastic. It's um, it it. it you have direct lines between brands and their customers. And, and again, we're going to say like probably 99.9% of, of what goes off on Facebook Live is fine. Right. It's safe. It's, it's, it's amateur, it's, but it's fun. It's fine. People then, are just sharing videos but, with family. Yeah, but friends. lately what's been, what's been happening is, is that uh, incidents where someone is either beating someone up, 
Uh, I think there was a gang rape in Chicago that Jesus. got publicized. Yeah. It's really dark, dark stuff. And the la the, the latest one was uh, a father in Thailand uh, was upset about his wife leaving him or something. He basically killed his 11-month-old daughter, um, hanged her, and then oh. he killed himself. And these, this video was seen by, I think, more than 300,000 people. Um, it took Facebook at least 24 – I think there's a 24-hour period that went by before they were able to, to shut it down. Uh, they keep, you know, Facebook keeps saying that they've got tools and algorithms to try to detect this stuff, but I don't think that they have the ability to prevent this, these things from happening because they enabled this platform to everybody. If right. you're a Facebook user, you now have the ability to stream. Um, and we were joking earlier about, you know, we, we're streaming this live. Something could happen where we could end up, you know, someone could come in this door right now. <laughs> well, hopefully not. Hopefully not. Mom, it's not. It's okay. We're, we're safe here. Again, Trust me. I, you know, but like, for example, you know, Brandon and I did the pie thing. Right. Like maybe someone could come in and throw a pie at right. us. Or a bucket um, of water. Or a bucket of water. We, now, obviously, episode. we have the ability as the publisher to take it down. Right. Um, I think what, what needs to happen is there needs to be some more serious discussion about what is Facebook. Uh, whether it's – there's an article on Fast Company that talked about whether or yeah, not they should be that. a public utility. Um you know, like electric, you know, like electricity, like water, is internet access now a basic right, right. Uh, of people? Or uh, because this is a broadcasting platform, so to speak, yeah. should they start being treated like, um, you know, the the TV networks? And maybe they should fall under some regulation from the FCC. Because again, if if you if you had a TV news crew out and they started broadcasting murders. They'd get shut down pretty quick. Yeah, they, they, their you license know, would be pulled. Their, their right license away. would be pulled. Um, now there's there've been some situations. There was a there was a TV reporter who was doing a news report, and someone did actually kill the, the one reporter. in Virginia last yeah, year. Yeah. yeah. So there are some isolated incidents too, and maybe this is a case where this is isolated incidents with Facebook. But I, you know, I, I read a lot about this um, covering Facebook Live. I do a lot of work with the Network World team on their live video stuff. It's it's becoming more disturbing than than less, and I think you know the conversation needs to happen. Well, it, you know it's interesting because one of the problems that you have is if Facebook, obviously, you know they sell advertising, they want to you know as big an audience as possible, um, but if they start to try to limit or somehow get their hands dirty in in spelling out who can post and who can't. Right. That makes them more of a broadcaster slash publisher than just this neutral platform that anybody has access to. So right? a, a, any steps that they take could then be seen like a government could come in and say, well, you're limiting who can broadcast, so you are now a broadcaster. Right. If you're limiting some people from broadcasting and then you allow other people who broadcast and they do something stupid or murderous or whatever, then you know the, the culpability starts to edge toward Facebook itself, it becomes not just a neutral platform right. because they're putting their finger on the scale and saying you can you can post, you can't. Yeah, I, I just wanted to ask Pat if he had any thoughts on this covering. Well, he looks stuff. like he does. <laughs> the, Trump, the Trump administration, I mean, they're all for deregulation. The FCC has been has been throwing out the net neutrality rules and everything else. Yeah. So they want as little regulation as possible on the internet. Uh, I just don't see how. I don't see how the Trump administration or Congress, for that matter, would do anything, as emotional as this may be. But, you know, even broaden this out. We're heading into a culture where we believe everybody should have open carry. They can carry guns from state to state. One license works everywhere else. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're moving into a very strange place. So I don't really see us doing anything. 
to regulate this kind of thing? And is it even possible to regulate this kind of thing? Well, you know, it, it, it's interesting. It reminds me, uh, have you ever seen the show Black Mirror? It's, it started off in the U.K., and I think there was a, a, a U.S. version. It's on Netflix. And it, Black Mirror is a, is a fictional show, a, a science fiction show, near, near future, current future, that looks at how technology is integrated in our lives and the things that can go wrong, okay? So that's Black Mirror. Uh, Black Mirror is like if you've got uh, a phone or something like that and you're looking at it and it's a black a blank screen, you can kind of project onto technology, whatever you want. One of the episodes had some woman who was suddenly woke up, found herself in this weird situation, seemed to be being chased by someone, was in, in, in her life was in danger. The whole show went on for like 30, 45 minutes. She had no idea who she was, where she was, how she got there. And throughout the show, there would be people in the background filming her, you know, or texting or posting it on whatever the version of Facebook would be. And at the end of the show, the great reveal is that she's actually a prisoner. They wipe her mind at the end of every episode, and people get to watch the show and broadcast it. I mean, it, it's the kind—it's kind of creepy, which it's meant to be. It's almost like you know, Twilight Zone meets whatever. Right. Um, have you seen the show Black Mirror? I've heard about it. I have—I haven't. Some of some of the I've episodes are really—it's cre- yeah. very dark. I'm not a um, big dark. Hang on one second, yeah. Doug. We have a, a question. You say from? We have a quick question yeah. from you, Day. What is the education eligibility to get the H-1B visas? Ooh, back to H-1B visas. Pat, you got any, any thoughts? Any information? It's typically a four-year degree. So like basic BA? Uh, B, B, yeah, BS. B or BS. Oh, yeah, BS, of course. Okay. Um, so back to Facebook's Black okay. Mirror. So anyway, the, the whole point was that, uh, you know, as Pat was saying, it does seem to be more and more like a Wild West kind of situation. Yeah, and, and yeah, especially in this environment with the, with this administration, I, I wasn't going to hold out hope that they were going to start holding hearings or stuff. But Facebook, I think, needs to take itself a little bit more seriously and almost start self-regulating or figuring out some better ways to do this because I think as an advertising platform right now, if they lose the trust of the users – then they're in big trouble. Right. Um, I've already I've already trying to limit what I do on Facebook because the amount of junk that I'm getting, yeah. whether it's it's brands that I follow or ads that are getting put in or just um, you know friends that just don't use it for the the right purposes, whether it's they're, they're spreading fake news or whatever's going on. I'm really kind of getting sick of my Facebook feed. Um, it, I don't want to have to be at work and then scrolling through my feed and then all of a sudden I'm watching a live murder or right. watch, you know, I don't need that right now. I, you know, as a, as an end user, I don't think anybody does. Well, um, it and, does, it does feel like it's moved very, very, very far from where it was initially where you'd post, you might post fit pictures, you might post some video that you'd taken, but it was very sort of limited. But the stuff that shows up in your feed now, I, I do, I have a lot of friends who say, I just want to get off Facebook. But yeah. because so many people are on it, when it comes to planning social events and things like that, they feel like they can't quite get away from it. Yeah, and and that ties into the whole, you know, is this an addicting technology that, 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 Black people, mirror. that people can get away from? Um, but it feels like Facebook can figure out how to prevent pornography like you can't just start broadcasting live images of of people being naked yeah. or or people having sex or anything like that they've figured out ways to do that i i think that they should start examining how they can extend that to to other um or to criminal things like you know well it almost seems like violence. you know despite the fact that as you say you know washington seems to be very much in the let in, let everything you know just go out the window and no regulation uh, it seems like, though, that at some point this will will come back to hurt the company 
if, as you say, parents are, you know, looking at Facebook to see their cute baby pictures and they're seeing horrific things. Right. Eventually, I mean, and, and since Facebook sells advertising and therefore, you know, we are the product, we being Facebook users, um, they don't want to lose that audience. And I, and I certainly think an advertiser doesn't want to associate itself with those types of, of content. Right. Okay. All right. Uh, any final thoughts, Pat, on uh, Facebook Live and the future of technology, uh, social media as we know it? <laughs> I think Keith raised very good points about Facebook Live. And, and definitely, if parents start getting very, very concerned about Facebook's ability to control the feed, you can see an opening for another uh, social networking platform. I mean, no company owns the future, and that includes Facebook, no matter how large and powerful it is. We've seen that time and again. So right. I, I, think, I think your points are well taken. You know, it's interesting. You had mentioned earlier, we were talking about MySpace. You know that 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 they that that company also seemed to have a lock on yep. social media early on, and then what was the problem? What did, where did uh, they go apparently south? a lot of pedophiles and, and other kind of adult deviants got That's onto the probably the, and the not good for your and, business and, bottom line. And and then it became known to parents again that that you don't want your kids hanging out there, and the, and then advertisers got involved and. The, the membership just dropped yeah. and Facebook came in and said, Hey, we're a safe space or we're a, you know, a family friendly. I don't know if they said family friendly, but it, it certainly, but they, they certainly up the impl implied they would and, be a safe right. space. And now, I, I was thinking that if I was going to get off of Facebook, where would I move to? I'd probably move to LinkedIn at this point because that's seen as the adult adult. Well, not adult, but boring or, <laughs> <laughs> or, you know, the, the more professional version of, of Facebook. So it, you know, right. maybe LinkedIn comes and it says like, "Hey, if you don't want to see people getting killed, murder, or, you know, come to us. Come to us." I'm not sure that's a good marketing slogan. No, that's probably not what. That's LinkedIn's why I'm not in the marketing department at LinkedIn. Exactly. All right. All right. Um, great. Listen, uh, Pat. Thanks a lot for jumping in to to, to give us an update on uh, H1B's IT outsourcing that whole issue. I'm sure we'll be back at this later on this year to find out what's going on. So thank you for that. Oh, you're welcome, um, Keith. Thanks for the uh, update on no Facebook problem, Live. Keith. Good discussion. Yeah. I mean, it's really interesting to see where this is going. Yeah. Pat, I, I, you're looking good on Skype, by the way. Yeah, you, you look great, Pat. <laughs> yeah, you know, being generous from an undisclosed location, I think in Connecticut <laughs> right now, but. Uh, all right, so for uh, H-1B visas and Facebook Live, I think that's going to do it for today. I'm Ken Mingus, Keith Shaw, Pat Thibodeau, thank you. That's a wrap. Cool.